0: Welcome to another episode of Sacktown Talks. Today we have a special guest, Robert Rivas from the 30th Assembly District joining us today. Robert, how's it going? Welcome to the show. I, it's,
1: yeah, I um, uh, appreciate the invitation to uh, join you and you know, all is well in these turbulent and very challenging times. Uh, certainly very different times here at our state capitol, and, um, but uh, it's a pleasure to be here, for sure.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, Shelter in Place happened about March, um you know we all went home uh kind of can you describe i guess how sheltering in place was for you and kind of how you were able to work with your constituency you know basically not being able to physically see people
1: right well it was um extremely challenging to say the least you know so i represent uh uh you know a beautiful district a very large district geographically um so uh you know i'm proud to say that i can um you know i'm proud that i can say that I grew up uh, in the district I represent. So I grew up in San Diego County. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a, a district that includes parts of four counties. And so uh, uh, it is uh, extremely large. There's about a dozen cities within the district. And so, you know, um, when I'm here in Sacramento, uh, it's great. I get a park in the basement. I can walk to most of my meetings or have my meetings in in uh, my office here at the state capitol. But when I'm at home, I uh, I log tr- you know a tremendous amount of miles because I'm driving from one county to the other, from one city to the other, and so um, not having the opportunity you know in the shelter when 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 we sheltered in place, not having the opportunity to be out in the community to visit uh, you know various stakeholders, um, you know leaders throughout. Out, uh, the district and you know all these different cities counties um, and uh, our communities was very difficult you know because I represent a district where you know the issues are different for these different uh, you know uh, counties and these different cities uh, and so certainly having to operate everything through our technology through you know zoom through conference calls um, was incredibly challenging, you know and certainly took up a uh, you know a lot more time than, than, than um, You know people probably realize and so it was um, an incredibly stressful time trying to address a lot of the concerns trying to You know uh, answer questions trying to get information from the administration um, here um, In you know in Sacramento working constantly with my colleagues in the legislature with the leadership uh, You know within the assembly um, uh, being on, you know, we, 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 had, uh, two, uh, standing conference calls that would last two, three, sometimes four hours. And so it was a very challenging time, you know, and being, being, uh, you know, at home, uh, very lucky that my wife uh, has always, you know, the last few years has, has worked from home. Um, spending time, uh, more time with my family was, you know, different, but certainly was a good thing because I'm always on the road. And, and um, but, but certainly my mother, uh, who takes care of my grandmother, who's close to 90. Uh, who lives less than a mile from um, oh, wow. where we live in Hollister? You know I, I I didn't see them for nearly two months because we certainly wow. didn't want to put them at risk, and certainly my grandmother at risk, being in the the uh, you know at risk population to uh, you know should she have contracted covid. Um, but uh, you know, so yeah, it was a very um, challenging time, uh, very difficult, but still still utilizing our technology, uh, doing virtual calls uh, regularly with you know uh our different cities our different stakeholders and so it looks like this is going to be the new normal for quite some time and um but it's something that we adjusted to just uh this afternoon or at lunchtime i joined a couple of my colleagues dr joaquina rongola and senator ana caballero we had a virtual town hall around uh the you know the challenges and the changes coming to uh, edd as we have a record number of of uh, unemployment filings and so um you know it's uh, you know it uh this uh is the new normal, but we'll get through this and look forward to, uh, you know, those days when there are, uh, you know, our, our halls here in the Capitol are are, are are crammed and we have the opportunity to get back home and, and, uh, jump on the road and go from city to city to all these different, uh, the communities. Cause you know, my job is to be out and to listen and to uh, work with uh, all stakeholders within the district I represent, which is something I enjoy doing.
0: Yeah. Recently, we had a member, Cecilia Curry on, and she kind of talked about in the rural areas of her county, there's not broadband access and kind of seeing how your county is probably even more rural than hers, Mm -hmm. kind of using this new technology, digital medium, um, you know, is is as effective where you are and, you know, is access has been a problem, I guess, for your constituents and reaching out to you during this.
1: Right. And And so I appreciate Cecilia and her leadership. You know, she's, a great colleague she's a you know a great friend but her leadership that she's brought around the conversation of broadband access especially in rural areas we we actually carried a bill around uh, establishing expanding um, access to broadband in rural areas by focusing it on at, at our most remote fairgrounds in the state but if anything you know what you know in, in my first term in the legislature what I've you know learned to to, to understand certainly this is uh, a state that's very difficult to govern because we're so large or so different and um, There's no shortage of a crisis in California. And, and, and so how These crises whether it's a housing crisis or utility crisis now a public health crisis You know, it impacts every region of the state very differently. And so if it's anything that this public health crisis were uh, Under now, uh, it is really exacerbated some of these greater challenges, you know, I, I you know, certainly you know, coming from a region where I've lived my entire life, I've seen a lot of change. Um, it's considered a suburban rural area, um, but this public health crisis certainly has exacerbated this issue of distance learning because of the connectivity lack thereof. You know, of access for our rural parts, and 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 that that has you know um, that is developing an equity issue amongst education and, and how students you know aren't you know, on a level playing field when it comes to getting the information and, and, and utilizing that technology to get that information uh, to establish a level playing field. And so how that's going to impact, you know, educational outcomes for this year and beyond uh, is, um, you know, is a uh, huge concern. Uh, but certainly, you know, um, if it's, you know, anything, I, every day I walk into this building, certainly it's, a you know, um, uh, always felt a bit like uh, like it's a very surreal experience Never ever anticipated to to have the opportunity to represent my home in the state legislature But I'm always reminded of where I came from and so being that voice for a a, a State, you know a part of the state that lacks essential services um, that uh, certainly um, You know needs to be part of the conversation the larger conversation on how we address housing in in this state how we address broadband access here in the state. If anything, you know, if there's a silver lining to our current public housing crisis, it's the fact that we still have a long way to go to ensure that all people in California have the essential services, have the infrastructure, and have the resources um, to, um, you, know, uh, you know, that are offered in other parts of uh, our state. We, you know, we certainly have to do a better job here uh, in California to, uh, you know, to ensure that our constituencies in all districts have these resources.
0: You know, one thing that you know, was clear to a lot of us when the shelter in place first started, we all rushed to the grocery store and you know, the shortages <laughs> in food and kind of in your district is where a lot of the food of the world is grown. Can you That's kinda, right. I guess, talk about how you know, the farming was impacted by, by the COVID crisis and um, you know, are, are things beginning to normalize there? Um, mm-hmm. are you know are as food still being wasted um right. and you know i guess you know what's being done for for farm workers um, right and s-
1: right and so i appreciate the question and it's it's you know uh it's a complex one uh and it's a complex one because certainly you know coming from a region where you know the lifeblood of our economy is an agricultural one where we're very dependent on a productive uh and viable agricultural industry you know and i myself you know, I've talked often in my first year in the legislature about where I came from, I, you know, um, and as I just mentioned, it's, it's been a very surreal experience. Uh, if you would have asked me as a child that, that you, know, um, you know, someday, you, you know, I'd serve in the legislature, I wouldn't have thought it possible because I grew up in overcrowded housing. I grew up in attractive migrant farm worker housing. I was raised by a family of, of uh, you know, um, farmworking immigrants. Uh, I was raised by my mom who was a single parent, by my grandparents and uh, on top of that, I had a terrible speech impediment. It's uh, um, a, dis- uh, a disability I've had my entire life. And so having to overcome that. And so, um, you know, I, you know, being a public servant was never, ever part of my plan. Um, but, you know, certainly in this region that is so dependent on, on agriculture, that is, you know, I've, I, I've known at an early age, um, you know, as long as I can remember my, my grandfather stepping out of you know, our farm worker housing unit every single morning, and he would walk out uh, into the fields where he would work every day. He was a field worker for over 50 years. And so his work to my family was essential because he, I, you know, here in my office, I have his paycheck hanging on my wall. Uh, in the late 80s, that paycheck shows that he was making, he was earning $6.33 an hour. And on that wage, he supported our entire family. So his work was essential to our family, but also understanding that he was part of that incredibly important food network uh, that uh, provided food security to uh, not only our family but to our state and to our country uh, and so farm workers and the agricultural industry has always been an, inc- an incredibly important part of you know the history of the state of our economy and of ensuring that we all have fresh produce uh, you know on our tables uh, and so certainly how this pandemic has impacted uh, you know our um, you know our district, uh is um, you know has been a concern it continues to be a concern uh, There has been a spike in the the rate of infections in monterey county and they are overwhelmingly in the district I represent in the city of uh, uh Salinas in the salinas valley a an overwhelming percentage Of all infections in uh, the county of monterey are coming uh, You know, um from you know, latino parts of the county from farm working areas Because of the, you know, this is an incredibly vulnerable population, where you look at every aspect of their job, traveling to and from work and overcrowded, you know, uh, in in these uh, crowded buses, they, you know, they work in close proximity to one another. They share tools. They maintain the same equipment. Um, You know, they. It's it's very difficult for them to social distance on the job. Um, uh, But I commend the County of Monterey. They proactively got together industry, local elected officials, uh, supervisors, uh, Chris Lopez, former assembly member, supervisor Luis Alejo, I commend them for, for working with them to establish kind of a, a first, uh, uh, you know, set of, of workplace guidelines and, you know, these guidance documents to, 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 to ensure workers were protected and, and uh, you know, aware of, you know, the challenges that this virus poses and trying to prevent uh, an outbreak But at the same time, you have a a very vulnerable group of employees and, you know, a population of people that go home and they can't social distance. They can't shelter in place because they live in critically overcrowded conditions. And we have all the local data to prove it as the fight that we had uh, advocating for our priority bill last year, our farm worker housing bill. Um, And it is, you know, and it's incredibly unacceptable in a state that is touted as having the fifth largest economy in the world, uh, being the most innovative state. But you have people, especially in the district I live, that uh, live in third world country conditions. It is a humanitarian crisis. You have incredibly, I mean, it is, it is, it is stifling opportunity for future generations. You know, I talk about my experience of living in overcrowded conditions. But, you know, families, I, I, I had it easy when you compare to, you know, the living conditions of, of families and children uh, right now uh, here in 2020. Uh, and uh, you know, and that needs to change and as a state we need to do a better job to ensure that That our farm working families and that all people in this state and all parts of the state rural urban That they have access to you know dignified housing Um, because you know, I attribute all of the opportunities i've had to that, you know, um, that uh housing security uh, That uh, that that myself my brother and my family had uh, and 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 certainly it wasn't uh, you know the you know, the best, um, you you know, unit, but it gave my family every opportunity uh, to pursue opportunities to go to college and, and one day serve in the legislature, you know, and uh, you know, certainly, you know, how this virus is impacting that is certainly exacerbating the rate of infection uh, that continues to rise, especially amongst uh, our, um, you know, essential farm working, um, you know, workers and, uh, and, and how it's going to impact their families.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things is, is when you're a farm worker, you are essential. If you don't show up for work, A, you know, you're not going to get paid for that day and B, you know, there's no next man up, right? The, the That's right. So I guess what's being done, That's I right. guess, to protect these workers in case they, they do get sick and they have to take, you know, two weeks off because, you know, their job is extremely um, physically strenuous. And you know, if you get COVID, it seems like you know you're going to be out for two, three weeks just recuperating. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess what's being done, I guess, to kind of fill the gap in for these workers?
1: Sure, you know, and um, you know, and that's that's a great question. And you know, the issue is obviously ag, um, the agricultural industry. uh, They continue to face labor challenges and a shortage of labor. Um, And there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, You know, obviously, when you have a president such as president trump and his administration all of the anti-immigrant rhetoric um you know it's certainly you have a a a very vulnerable population that is living in the shadows so you have agricultural workers or you have you know an agricultural industry that is very dependent on 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 foreign labor when in the district i represent we there's an estimated uh you know over 100,000 farm workers and their families that that uh you know um, you know, are able to work, but because of their legal status are unable to work. And so that's something that, that we, you know, we've got to look, we've, we we've certainly need Congress. We need both the Democrats and Republicans to do a better job and, and um, do something about our immigration problems, because, you know, all that is tied to our food security. All of, the, all of that is tied to these labor challenges we face in agriculture. And, it, you know, uh, it directly impacts our local economy, our state economy, and our national economy. Um, but, you know, you know, more to your question, um, you know, I commend the county of Monterey in doing everything they can to provide guidance uh, and to provide this very proactive document uh, to ensure that, you know, all agricultural employers within the county uh, were um, protecting employees and, um, you know, how they were doing their job. Uh, and so we introduced the bill essentially based on, on the work that was done in Monterey County because there is a, um, you know, there's a, we, what, what, what we have now in California is we have a patchwork. You know, if, if we're going to prevent an outbreak, if we're going to prevent what's occurred in other states like South Dakota, where an outbreak, a COVID-19 outbreak essentially shut down a meat processing plant, we have to avoid that uh, here and we have to avoid it at all costs because it, it impacts all of us. as I mentioned, it's a food security issue. Uh, and so certainly what we're trying to do is, is, is um, you know try to create an educational um, you know, component where we're educating workers uh, in you know, in English and in Spanish because there's there is a language barrier uh, you know, issue where you know a lot of our farm workers are speaking in Spanish or, or only Spanish, but educating, them on you know uh, workplace protections when it comes to safety, PPE, um, but then also working with Cal OSHA, working with the administration, working with the industry to create a a, a standard, um, you know a set of standards that will apply to you know the entire state and to all workers and to the entire industry because we shouldn't have a patchwork county by county where some counties and 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 you know some uh, you know, uh, industry members are doing a very proactive, very good job, and in others, it's non-existent. And, and so, certainly, you know, working with them and, you know, eventually, our, our bill just got out of the assembly certainly needs more work, but I look forward to working with the industry to ensure that we have a workable bill, because at the end of the day, it's about ensuring that, you know, our agricultural industry remains viable, productive, and that workers um, remain healthy, that they're able to, to report to the job. Uh, and continue reporting to the job because of the you know labor challenges that uh, we face and as you mentioned finding a replacement for an ill worker is, is incredibly challenging you know and in you know and so then obviously deciphering through all the governor's executive orders and de- deciphering all of the the um, relief packages passed at the federal level uh, when it comes to you know Providing these benefits for essential workers, whether it be sick leave, you know that's something that we continue to monitor. That that we continue to work with our constituents to to ensure that they have all the information, they have all the resources that they need uh, to take all those precautions and certainly take the time they need to get healthy should they you know become infected.
0: You know, I, I think one thing that was really interesting that you just shared is, is how you grew up and how your brother grew up, and kind of you guys are I guess are are living the American dream. You're your first generation. Um, you know, immigrant family, uh, you've come here, you've succeeded, you've gone to school. Um, and, and now, you know, we've had this big discussion lately of, of ACA 5, affirmative mm-hmm. action, um, kind of undoing Prop 209, um, kind of you and your brother, um, you know, were able to go to school, I believe, after Prop 209. So you didn't benefit right, right, from right. any of these things. But kind of, no. can you, can you explain how something like ACA 5 would be beneficial for, I guess, you know, people who were in your situation kind of kind of looking to go to school and and you know, you know, live their dream like like you've done.
1: Sure. You know, and I think that's a great, you know, that's a great question. And, you know, I did not, you know, I went to school after Prop 209 and and um, you know, but I you know, I talk about my experience often, you know, about my life experience, about, you know, um, you know, how I certainly feel Extremely fortunate and lucky. I feel like I, um, my, my, my family in particular, that, uh, that we, you know, I'm a direct product of, of this thing called the California Dream. You know, my, my grandfather, uh, who, who raised uh, my brother and I, um, he, uh, not a day would go by where he would remind us, uh, you know, the importance of hard work, how he would labor in the fields, provide for our family so we didn't have to. Uh, you know how how uh, he would he would always emphasize the importance of creating opportunities for ourselves No one was going to create them for us, but that was going to be evident through how hard uh, we worked uh, and so certainly um, You know his his, his his advice and encouragement was always an incredibly positive example for myself and for my brother and so um, You know when I uh, you know look back at you know um, Growing up in poverty growing up in farm worker housing as I mentioned, I didn't know I was poor I didn't know I I I was raised by a loving family and uh, It's because of his sacrifice where I've had these opportunities But when I look now as I've mentioned, you know, I it was tough back in the 1980s being supported by my grandfather's six dollars and 33 cents an hour that, that that here in the late 80s. It was tough back then but families today face much more difficult circumstances and conditions and we are in the midst of a historic housing crisis uh, and in in the district I represent in my backyard in San Diego County in the Salinas Valley you have families living uh, I mean they are subletting garages sheds rooms you have four or five families to a single family home you have three or four families sharing a one-bedroom apartment uh, and, you know, in, in, in the rural parts of, of um, the Salinas Valley, you have schools where their homeless, their student homelessness rate is incredible. One in five students, uh, you know, uh, are classified as homeless. There's a, an elementary school in the city of Salinas, Sherwood Elementary School, where it was their, their homeless rate amongst their entire student population was near 40 percent, like 37 percent. Um, and it's incredibly, you know, unacceptable. And so when you talk about opportunities and how, how can we expect students, uh, that have these, you know, incredible circumstances, unfortunate circumstances outside of the classroom, uh, that they have to go home with, they are homeless, that they live with complete strangers, uh, how is that going to impact their performance in school? And typically... Uh, they don't perform very well in school because they have all of these distractions, and I know that because I saw it firsthand. Prior to my time in the state assembly, I was a county supervisor, but I also had you know, two other jobs. I, I worked as a, an adjunct professor at a junior college, and I was a what was called a student support manager at one of the largest high schools in California, uh, San Pedro High School. But it was a comprehensive high school, and so I was uh, essentially a dean of discipline. And so I had to work. I was also in charge of truancy, and so I had to work with these at-risk students. Uh, And the students that wouldn't have breakfast students where they came from farm working families and their parents would leave at four in the morning and they were just completely absent from their uh, Lives and so these were students that you know, were not focused and so it was Impossible to expect them to go to the classroom to succeed if they had so many challenges outside the classroom And so that's why I think this larger issue of mental health and providing adequate services to students within the school setting, but also ensuring that, uh, you know, we have a support system for them outside of the school setting is incredibly important. And that's why something like ACA 5 is very important is, you know, we should be striving to do everything we can to create opportunities. And some students certainly, you know, um, you know, there there just isn't a level playing field in this state. Um, And a lot of that is exacerbated by the housing crisis that we have. Um, you know, our, we have the, it's unacceptable that we have the highest rate of poverty in this state, which is driven by housing. And so that's why we've got to do a better job um, uh, here in the legislature of solving this crisis.
0: Um, you know, you guys just, I guess, passed a, a version of your budget, sent it to the governor. Um, you know, it, it's obviously very different than earlier in this year when, you know, there was a surplus in funding. Um, I guess, how has the, the budget priority changed? I guess, for your district and kind of how's the budget changing um, for your district in the sense of, you know, addressing some of these issues you've brought up and kind of, you know, you were just talking, you know, a lot of people are wearing these masks and vests don't cut. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, what were you able to salvage for your district um, to ensure, you know, some of these things you're talking about are addressed?
1: right well you know certainly uh you know this pandemic has uh you know upended uh, life in california and, and, and certainly in our country is, this is something that has impacted each and every one of us um you know every constituent in our district and every resident of california has been impacted by this crisis uh and then obviously when you talk about uh, a legislative process um, that is driven uh, by our budget and the priorities around our budget um, that clearly has upended the um, legislative process here in California and, 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 and here in our state. And, and certainly, you know, um, facing this unprecedented uh, budget gap and this deficit um, and, you know, trying to, you know, as we voted to, to you know, uh, to balance our budget this past Monday, Ah uh, without knowing our revenue figures you know uh, for another month is challenging. This is going to be an evolving situation when it comes to our budget. We have a legislative budget you have uh you know a governor who has proposed a different budget, and so those negotiations are ongoing uh but certainly it's it, it is at, you know our budget situation in this pandemic is certainly changing the priorities that we started with you know um we had, uh, you know, uh, we assessed our bill package, uh, all the bills that we had introduced, um, this year. And we, you know, tried to amend them and, and recalibrate the intent of our bills to address how this crisis was impacting our district. Um, and you know, how we can boost recovery, uh, for not only our district, but for the entire state and working with my colleagues and, and so the last few months since we reconvened, I've been incredibly busy. I had anticipated to only have maybe two, three bills. And I ended up having, I think, eight and, um, you know, worked with stakeholders, worked with some state agencies um, because they believed in the policy and they, you know, they believed in the bills we had introduced. So we did everything we could to reduce cost, um, And we'll continue to work with stakeholders to, one, reduce costs, but, but ensure that the policy is targeted toward addressing Um, Some aspect of this crisis that uh, we're facing, you know, we had introduced a number of bills around um, You know, um, you know equalizing access to resources in the rural parts of this state You know, we had a telehealth bill, which we still have a telehealth bill. We have an e-filing rule access to justice bill Um, we uh, introduced this um, Agricultural workplace and health and safety act, you know uh, around the conversation we just had uh, you know modeled after what the County of Monterey did, uh, around workplace guidelines. And there is, there's, an, there's an educational component to it and, and other district priorities that, that, that we continue to push and continue to move forward with. Uh, but certainly, you know, the success of our legislation is going to be driven by the budget. You know, um, once we get those revenue figures in July, uh, understanding the expectations, um, you know, and trying to, um, you know, live within the expectations of, uh, you know, the fiscal realities we face uh, is challenging, but certainly is very necessary because, you know, uh, we have to do everything we can to preserve vital services for our constituents. Um, And I think the biggest issue with, you know, the proposed budget from the governor was trying to balance a budget on education. Uh, The impacts uh, to our schools uh, would be significant. Um, you know, trying to make significant, or it, it, uh, it, um, it proposed massive cuts to our uh, really fragile social safety uh, network here uh, in uh, California, our, our healthcare system. And so, you know, you have a legislative budget that attempts to backfill a lot of those proposed cuts, um, but knowing that the situation is, is, is um, you know, an evolving one, we look forward to doing, you know, working with the governor. Working with my colleagues in the legislature to do everything we can to preserve those essential services, those essential programs that our constituents rely on, um, uh, and then also in relation to the budget, you know, the one request we made, uh, which was a very important one around this issue of housing and critical uh, overcrowded problems, uh, you know, especially within the Latino community, farm working uh, uh, c- communities, is we had proposed to the administration an expansion of his efforts around Project Roomkey to rapidly rehouse the, homes, the, the, the homeless population. We had um, requested a $25 million increase to expand that program to include uh, the ability to rapidly rehouse um, farm workers and their families who live in these critically overcrowded uh, uh, the conditions uh, because certainly we need to do everything we can to prevent an outbreak amongst uh, our agricultural workers.
0: Yeah, I thought this Project Roomkey was, was kind of an interesting way to deal with the ho- homelessness crisis. I guess, do you see this as a long-term solution to farmworker housing?
1: Well, I think, you know, it's a, um, uh, you know, it's an opportunity. You know, I think Project Roomkey to rapidly rehouse the, the you know, our unsheltered population, if we're able to expand that to farmworkers uh, to provide them temporary housing, uh, certainly providing them with temporary housing is critical now. Uh, but finding a permanent uh, uh, a solution is what our focus needs to be, and that's why solving this housing crisis, uh, working with local governments, working with all stakeholders to address this crisis is incredibly, incredibly important. And that's why I support Project Room Key. I think it's a, it's a it's a step in the right direction, uh, but it's a temporary one, and we have to acknowledge that it's not going to solve our problem. But uh, you know, uh, I would hope that that uh, you know the legislature I you know, really appreciate, um, you know, the legislative, the legislative effort now, um, within the assembly, especially within the Senate in trying to address this housing crisis, but certainly trying to address the crisis for all parts of California is challenging, but it's something that needs to be, uh, you know, a priority for uh, our legislature.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else you want to get out there before we go?
1: No, you know, I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on, you know, um, you know. Uh, uh, again, you know, these are uh, certainly unprecedented times, but these are, you know, uh, this is uh, why we signed up for the job. You know, as I mentioned, I never anticipated to ever be an elected official, um, you know, because of uh, where I came from, you know, the challenges I had around uh, a, uh, a debilitating uh, a debilitating speech impediment. Uh, but, you know, certainly, um, you know, I've always had an interest in, 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 uh, in giving back and serving my community. And, um, you know, having this incredible opportunity to uh, serve, a, a, you know, a place that has given so much to me and to my family. Uh, this has been, uh, you know, uh, an experience of a lifetime. And I look forward to Serving uh, the great district uh, back home, uh, the 30th Assembly District, uh, all of uh, our constituents, and, and uh, you know the great state of California, and hopefully in, in this whole um, you know this this pandemic and this public health crisis that that uh, we're going through, that we'll come out as a stronger state, and uh, you know we'll you know um, certainly make this uh, a better state for all.
0: Well, thank you so much um, for joining us today, and we look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Rocky.
1: Awesome. Thanks, man. Right. Thank you. Take care.